I'm just kidding. It was just an option in Zencaster. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, there's also dramatic piano. Today, in Remote Ruby. In my Ruby diary. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime you make a sweet joke. Oh, there you go. Does it have um, a Vuvuzela? No. <laughs> uh, and then the other one, these are like pre-configured options. Uh, I guess they store to like local storage because I'm on a new computer now and they showed back up. And so uh, there's also this one. For all the Major League Baseball we talk about. There we go. We can have Major League Ruby Gems or something. <laughs> we should. There's like, you can add your own and remove these. I want to like go through old keynotes and like get some like DHH clips we can just play. <laughs> That'd be good. Yeah. There's like a bunch of like FUs. Just click. Um, <laughs> what's up, man? Oh, not much, man. Been just busy screencasting all week. How about you? Uh, I've been working with stimulus more and ooh, ooh, la la. And then I've also been uh, working on a polymorphic self-referencing relationship. Uh, that sounds interesting. How is it? How is it possible that it's self-referencing and polymorphic? Because if it's referencing itself, wouldn't it already know what class it is? Uh, so you still have to do like, it's a has many association. So it's like comment has many comments. Okay. As commentable. Okay. Uh, yeah. 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 We, it, uh, we did that for the go rails, uh, uh, comment series that I did recently. That was, I rebuilt like nested comment threads in various different ways. So cool. yeah, anybody, that's watch watching, anybody that's been watching go rails will know exactly what we're talking about. <laughs> it's uh it's, it's been a thing. <laughs> um, it works pretty well. It's just like querying has been a little difficult because like, I want to get not only just like, comments that belong to some other type of model, but I also want to get all the comments that belong to comment of that model. So it's like, I get, I get a little further and then like I throw up and then I get a little further and then I sob. And then, so I'm hoping today to get that done. Yeah, that's definitely a fun one. Um, I I had a lot of fun with that because I was like um, trying to clone, you know, the standard discuss comment threads and things. And then I also did um, like, you know, are you familiar with Reddit's comment threading where they have like a kind of an infinite amount of nesting you can do, but then they cut it off at like 10 replies or something and they have a button to go read the next chunk. Have you seen that? Uh, I haven't seen. Yeah, I have seen that. Yeah. It's like show more and it takes you to another page. Yeah. And so what's cool about that is like the way I structured it, at least, you know, you click on that link and we just put the comment that you were uh, clicking on in the URL. And then we load that instead of the main comments. So I have like the comment has a commentable 
and it has um and it also has a parent ID. And so the top level comments are the ones with no parent ID. And the parent ID represents another comment you're applying to. So then when we link to one of those sub pages, we just put that parent ID in our query and we're good to go. And so you can just like view any sort of chunk of 10 levels deep uh, throughout the thread anywhere, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. This one, so like this is set up to where, like right now we're only doing like single nesting, but like if we ever do want to expand, like following this type of relationship allows us to like do that infinite, mm-hmm. yeah, like amount, which is really nice. And it's kind of like, I, there's no way I think around like the complexity of this type of relationship. And so like, I think that solution is like actually a really simple solution, all things considered. Yeah, and that's kind of good because then you can always modify it a lot easier in the future. Yeah. But yeah, that's been fun. Um, Did you watch the RubyConf keynote? I did not. I did not. Uh, So this was my first RubyConf I've missed, or my first like Ruby Central conference I've missed since 2015. And so, like, I was like, I gotta watch the keynote. and it was really good. So Matt's talked about Ruby 3. Um, we talked about like Ruby 6, Ruby 2, 7. Um, implicitly talked about 2.7 because he said the goal is Ruby 3 Christmas of 2020. Ooh, wow. Okay. So that, that would mean that we have 2.6 this Christmas. And that leaves a gap year. So that would be like two, seven next year. Uh huh. Um, so yeah. And then he started talking about Ruby four. Um, <laughs> like, hold on a second. We haven't finished Ruby three yet. <laughs> yeah. And it, he, but he brought up because Ruby four will be like a test because he's like starting to think about his retirement. No. Yeah. And so like uh ruby four is a test to see how well someone else or like some other group of people can like build out and i i don't know he didn't like give a date for retirement but i assume if that goes well like can't be too shortly after that yeah he'll retire instantly (laughs) his keynote was funny because it was like um do I give like, uh, I think he either said like, do I give just someone or like a group, like just charge of the design? And he's like, no, that means that he's like, my next thought is, do I just make artificial intelligence that can do that? <laughs> it's like, that's kind of funny. That's great. Yeah. That's interesting to think about. Like when maintainers, uh, plan on retiring, that's, that's, I think a lot more rare because I know we all like to complain a lot about, you know, these open source projects that never get any maintenance. Um, And that happens because people are busy and they don't get any value out of a project. They may have worked on four years ago for a project that they're not working on anymore, but something like Ruby where he's working on it full time, that is pretty interesting to think about him planning his retirement and everything because obviously he's going to want it to continue down the same sort of mindset path like 
Ruby's he's going to want Ruby to retain its culture in the long run. And that's hard. That's a very hard thing to do to pick the right successors to pick up where you left off. That's crazy. Yeah. The other thing he mentioned um, was like his plan, you know, these are all like tentative dates, but his plan was for Ruby four in 2025. Okay. Yeah. That, I guess that makes about right. So, it would be like what seven years then, I guess, if you consider a point release every, I guess, eight years, two point oh to two point seven, yeah. uh, be about eight years. That's interesting. So, yeah, it's, it's really fascinating. Um, the other thing too is, uh, we know Ruby is not going to die at least for another seven years. So, <laughs> um, and I'm really like this. I was really, how do I say this? I really liked that he thinks about stuff like this. Like, yeah, like I, that makes me just like, it just uh, affirms how I feel about Ruby and the entire like community and like the mindset behind it that like, you know, he has a plan like he wants to actually like not just retire, but like oversee somebody else giving it a shot. Like that's awesome. I love that so much. Yeah, me too. It's really cool. Cause there's, I don't know. It, 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 it's definitely a language that feels like it has much more of a, of a culture to it. Like I didn't join Ruby when like why was, a part of the community, but like it just seemed like early days of Ruby were such a fun place to be. Um, and yeah. I think that needs to be, a, we've lost a lot of that over the years as people come and go, but you know that he's still thinking about those things and that's amazing. Yeah. I, I don't know. It just made me like for all the times I think about like uh, the future and like Ruby, I don't know. It's just nice to know that people are still like invested in it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. There's a lot of, I mean, it's just not exciting anymore. Like it used to be, we don't have people drawing cartoons like why I did, uh, right. <laughs> but we could use that still. And yeah, it's, there's something special about the language. And I think it's this kind of stuff. It's not just looked at purely as a, uh, you know, programming language for performance. Uh, it's, it's used as a language for humans to communicate with each other and with computers. I think that's what I really like about Ruby over other languages. One thing that he mentioned a couple of things that reminded me of my talk from like RubyConf last year about like Ruby not being dead. Um, and like, my kind of takeaway from the talk is like Ruby is not dead, but if you don't want it to die, like just keep doing things like for the community and things like that, like build more stuff in Ruby. And he like mentioned some of those things. And that was like the most affirming thing for me ever. Like, heck yeah. Like, <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah. That's was, what keeps it going. You know, it was a good keynote. If it's, um, if it's already online, I'll link it in the show notes, but yeah, other than that, just sad. I wasn't in LA, but yeah, well, 
you know, speaking of uh, conference talks being online, how are the Southeast Ruby ones doing? <laughs> uh, so I got like two keynotes up or three keynotes. Okay. Uh, and then three out of the four. <laughs> there's only three keynotes. So maybe I got them all up. Oh, wait, uh, yeah, I guess so. Um, but then my goal is to start posting more actually like today. I tweeted last week that I would try and get, um, start getting them up today or just this week. So Mm -hmm. what's your, uh, what's the kind of work you have to do to do those? It's, you have to, well, the way I do it. So we had like two separate feeds. So we had the video feed and then the actual slide feed, um, have to put those like picture in picture. Um, there's a problem where I think the slide device they were using like was off in certain places and like would sometimes like just go offline and speed up or slow down. So it's not just as simple as like dragging them in and lining them up. Ooh, that's so, a pain. Yeah. Some of these talks, like obvious keynote, I had to go through the whole thing and like there were times where the slides would just say like no input. Whoops. Sorry about that. And so what I would do is just, like take a screenshot of his slide before it lost input and then just paste it over. Oh yeah. 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 It's just, I've done that many times in go rails. Yeah. It's just time consuming. So yeah, that's, it's super time consuming and you can easily miss them. And so that's why I like Shannon, my wife has helped me with some of the videos, but um, I don't know. I'm going to try and get some up today. Also thinking a lot about Southeast Ruby last night uh, because RubyConf's going to be a national next year. Yeah, that's exciting. I said, when you tweeted at me, DM'd me, you slid into my DMs. Dude, um, <laughs> Dude, I, I'm pretty excited about that uh, because that's going to bring more eyeballs to Nashville. And, you know, I think that's really good. And hopefully those people you can get to stick around or come back uh you know, to Nashville for Southeast Ruby. I think that would be awesome. Yeah. So Southeast Ruby will be in August and RubyConf will be in November. Um, Maybe you can convince them to stay from August to four months. Yeah. Here are some Airbnbs that do monthly. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I'm really excited. Like I actually gasped when I read it last night uh, and I was like, Shannon, RubyConf's going to be in Nashville. I was like so excited. Uh, of course, I was devastated that they chose Nashville over Memphis. But wow. um, uh, that's fair. Then I was like, oh, wait, we put a conference on like a couple of months before that. And so I think it'll be fine. I'm, I, my plan right now is to still do it. Um, Same dates and everything. Yeah. I mean, we've already announced the dates. I think I am going to try and like. I need to talk to Ernie who helps me organize, but I'm thinking about trying to like put some workshops in and maybe um, make it more appealing to people. Like if they can not only like just leave with stuff from the talks, but actually leave with like some technical knowledge. Yeah. I like that. I don't know. I'm pondering. I just want to like, I'm thinking of ways to try and make it more of a value for people. Sure. Uh, I really enjoyed it the last two years, so I think it's a good value regardless, and it will just be even better if you add some workshops. So I, I, I have to figure out the logistics of that, but 
Um, that was actually some feedback we got last year too. And I was like, yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. Will they be like a breakout from the uh, venue, like, you know, in a different location or will they be like a day ahead or in the evenings or something? You think they'll be, you know, I don't know. Um, I would think like maybe day before um, or maybe even like if we could have multiple workshops, like maybe like two running side by side, we could do it like during the conference, like take a break from talks and choose which workshop you want to go to. Yeah, that could be good. So I don't know there. I'm going to try and like think about that some more uh, and talk to Ernie about it. Ernie is like, the most insightful human being, Ernie Miller, uh, <laughs> yes. co-organize Southeast Ruby. So yeah, um, either way though, pending that Shannon doesn't just magically have another kid next November, uh, <laughs> be making the drive to RubyConf in my home state, which I just, I'm so excited for. That'll be great. I may have to make it down for that one. That'll Dude, be nice. Plus. I love Nashville. Not as Nashville. much as I love Memphis. But I wow. love Nashville. Yeah. For those is- of you who don't know, Memphis and Nashville are like rival cities. So like sometimes we're like brotherly love and sometimes we're like hate each other. So <laughs> Yeah, when you're, you know, against cities outside your state, you guys are together, but rivalry within the state. Yeah. We've like, got that going on with St. Louis and Kansas City a bit. Really? A little bit. Not a whole lot, but. Yeah, I don't know. Nashville's just such a great city. Like, Santa's Pub can't replicate anywhere. You didn't go to Santa's Pub, did you? I didn't make it to Santa's oh, Pub. So, for those who don't know, which is probably anyone who's ever listened to this, there is a double wide trailer that is Christmas themed karaoke bar year round. And it is a treat and should become a national landmark in the state of Tennessee. (laughs) I think you're going to end up owning it as the proprietor at some point. That's my retirement plans. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, back, back to Programming things. Um, so I told you I was working in stimulus. I have some more thoughts on it. Yeah, let's hear them. So you mentioned last week that like 1.2 proposal. Yes, I haven't tried it yet. I haven't tried it either, but I looked at it. Um, they like the proposed way of handling like classes is adding another like static property to the class. Mm hmm. So you have targets and you say static targets and give it an array of like strings that are. Yeah, it just up represents in, DOM nodes somewhere. Yeah. They have like data target on them. So you do the same thing with classes. I guess you would give it data class. Uh-huh. So I'd like to use it. I don't. At first, I don't know that I saw like much value in that. So I can give some thoughts in there because Sam actually emailed me a while back uh, because I made a bunch of stimulus controllers for Tailwind. And the thing that I wanted to do with my stimulus controllers was to build 
for example, tabs, drop downs, just, you know, modals, basic things that you would get from Bootstrap, but create them for Tailwind. And the thing with Tailwind is that you don't have components already. So with Bootstrap, you already have the CSS for your tabs and they all have an active flag where you can tune or you can turn on which uh, tab is active and which uh, content section is active. Well, you can't really, I guess you could manually create the same thing with Tailwind, but the thing is, uh, if your components are actually dictating which classes you're adding and removing from your various targets, then it's going to tie it uh, or couple it to your CSS and your framework. So the reason for those classes being dynamic is that's what I was doing in my examples that I sent over to Sam, where it was like, look, for this dropdown, I want to add these classes to it, but I may have another dropdown that I want to add different classes to or remove different classes. And so if I specify them in the HTML, I never ever have to modify the stimulus controller. And that is the whole point of, you know, stimulus controllers anyways. They shouldn't have to be tied to the uh, HTML in any way. And so that's making them unique to your your CSS classes that you want to manipulate when certain actions happen. So that's kind of the point of making those definable through data attributes. Okay, that makes sense. I'm actually, I pulled it up while we were talking about it. And because like my first glance was, I just see these like static classes. <clears throat> but then like in terms of actually like adding them or removing them, we're still just using JavaScript. Saying like yeah, this dot right. element class list add or remove, but that makes sense because right now what I'm doing is actually defining those classes manually in those method calls. Yeah, in your controller. Right. Right. And, and then that, you know, I, I originally did that, and I was like, well, wait a minute, like this couples everything together. And I want this controller to work for anyone's. And Tailwind was a great place to to think about that stuff because everybody's navigation um, drop downs will be different. And so it was one of those cases where I was like, oh yeah, I guess I should never ever put any classes inside the controllers to make them properly reusable. This makes way more sense. So, cause when I saw it, like I was thinking that the class names, like um, the static class is equal and like the actual what their names like uh, the GitHub has success or supported. I was actually thinking those have to like match the name of the class, but they don't. And that just blew my mind because like everything, I don't know what I'm talking about. So, <laughs> and that's why you listen to us, right? <laughs> that's why I listen to us. <laughs> yeah. You're, it's an excuse to like have go for free. You're subscribed to one podcast, your own podcast. <laughs> no, I I'm subscribed to like three podcasts, and they just Apple. My phone's always like, "You have a new podcast." I'm like, "Shut up!" and just swipe away. <laughs> I can't listen to podcasts while at work, and that's the majority of time I listen to stuff. Yeah, I can't. I, I will like tune in, and then my brain will tune out. Sometimes listening to a podcast while I'm working. Cause I work from home. It, it's good background noise. So it feels like there's other people working around me, but then like 
it'll be an hour later and I'll be through a couple episodes and have no idea what I just listened to. <laughs> the, yes, that is me like to the T. Um, the other thing I was going to say with stimulus. So they don't have, they kind of have it now. I really would like a better way. I don't, once again, I don't know. I don't have the solution, um, but I'd like a better way to like interact with other controllers Excuse me. Uh, I'd like to be able to interact with other controllers a little bit easier because right now what you do is they have a method call and it's like get controller by Dom element or something like that. I don't remember the name. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. It's a way to retrieve like the controller instance for that. Uh, it's maybe not even an instance necessarily, but. Uh, because they're all mutation observers. But yeah, it, it gives you sort of the controller JavaScript object that is controlling that DOM uh, element, wherever it is. Yeah, and it works. Don't be wrong. Like it works and it, my controllers are like pretty minimal. Like there's not a lot of functionality there, but there's a couple I would like to talk together. <coughs> Sorry. And I feel like... Um, I'm kind of coupling to the Dom there. Yeah, somewhat. As long as you can grab the, you know, like the root element or something easily. Um, I, I think that potentially there's some sort of like, you know, with React or Vue, you have like your child components. Maybe there will be some sort of API in the future that has sort of a, a way for you to talk to the children. And so maybe you end up creating a controller that goes around all of the other ones or something. I'm not entirely sure, but it kind of awesome. Cause that was actually what I did was uh, I had, I just created like kind of a parent controller. And what I did was when the child controller would come into, it would do like the, it'd come into life, right? So it loads and then there's life cycle methods like on connect or just like connect or whatever. And so what I do is I just take that and then I would bind that child controller to the parent. So like they could talk to each other. Gotcha. Um, yeah. And it worked really well, um, but it would just be, I don't know. Like I said, I don't have the solution, but I, I think you're onto something there. And the other thing yeah totally not related is that uh is it sam stevenson is that his name uh yeah so so nice uh in the github like issues for it because somebody has actually asked this question before and was like hey there's no solution right now so i'm closing the issue but feel free to continue the conversation and i was like that's just such a nice gesture that is nice because uh, a lot of times it's like nope that's not supported closed and you're like, okay. And, you know, that, that seems to be the nature of people that tend to work at Basecamp, you know, just nice people. Yeah, I just thought that was so awesome. Once again, it's like Ruby, uh, like Matt's thing about his retirement, like just so thoughtful, like made me glad I was using stimulus. Yeah, I really appreciate that kind of stuff, you know, it's so nice. Um, reminding me how much I need to go back and, I need to grab this branch uh, and try the 
try the new Stimulus 1.2 proposal and see what refactoring it would add to my components. Because effectively, like this was the major piece. Um, and the big problem was, you know, the classes. Sometimes it's not just one. And unfortunately, that class list API uh, can only add or remove one item at a time or something. So then right. you have split and loop through and it was kind of annoying because then I had to have four loops every everywhere for that stuff and obviously I could you know extract out that but it's one of those things that probably is best extracted into stimulus uh, itself but yeah I'm I'm excited to hear uh, you've had sort of good experience with it as well it's been fun. Um, another thing that I want to bring up real quick too, is that I mentioned like, I should brought this up earlier. So I was mentioning kind of like building those queries for the polymorphic, like self referencing relationship. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. And I, I was talking with Kyle Fox, my coworker and uh, I sent him like some of the code I wrote. He's like, Active Record's so smart. And I was like, it really is because, you know, it lazy evaluates. So like, I'm just like passing it stuff and it just, um, it just knows how to take that and turn it into like nested SQL that, and it just, I don't know. Like it's something I take for granted, I guess. You yeah. Just, I use it every day, but I forget like how powerful it is. And I know some people will probably disagree with me, but I really don't. Oh, of course. I mean, I mean the, the people who will disagree are generally ones that already know SQL really well and need to do a lot more complicated stuff or, you know, want to write their own queries. But, you know, Active Record can do, you can create like a has many association and then you can have like a version of that that's exactly the same, but a different name and then filters by, you know, some sort of, you know, we want all the active users or, you know, all the active subscriptions, no canceled ones. And it's basically the exact same one. You just specify like class name is subscription. So we still want to hit the subscriptions table. We just want to also include this where query in the association always by default. Like, I love that stuff. It makes your code so easy. And if you just add some of these extra associations, you can save yourself a lot of time in your code. It's awesome. Yeah. It's like, I I thought Active Record was so awesome when I was learning Rails. And then I just got used to using it. So, like, it's nice sometimes to just sit back and be like, man, that's great. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, So couple more things to get to we're already at the 30 minute mark but uh what are you working on right now there's there's something you're trying to release next week right yeah um i recorded a and this is a funny story i lynda.com reached out to me at one point about doing a stripe course and i had done some stripe episodes on go rails um so i like redid this course or these episodes and go rails into this course and it's up on Linda, but you know this was a while ago, and Stripe's changed a lot, and they added products and changed the way that cancellations work. So if you want to cancel immediately, you can call delete, but you can't anymore cancel at the end of the period through that. So they've changed a lot. So I have been 
trying to get this course re-recorded uh, before Black Friday. So I can have a Black Friday sale on it. Um, and we're going to basically this time around, rather than only covering Stripe subscriptions, we're going to cover uh, like a shopping cart example. So uh, one-time payments with that, then a subscription example. But I also am going to cover um, Braintree and PayPal, PayPal using Braintree. Um, of course. And our pay gem that we've been working on Ooh. for a long, long time that we never really released uh, to the public yet. So I've been just like heads down trying to record as much as possible to get that course done or at least done enough to, cause I'm adding so much extra stuff to the, to it this time around. I want to have at least the striped stuff finished before black Friday. And then I'll add the brain tree stuff right afterwards if I have to, but it's uh it's looking good. It's a much better, like deeper dive into Stripe and all of the stuff we've learned along the way and getting all your, you know, web hooks set up so that you can get receipts and whatever. It's good stuff. I'm so excited. Maybe we could like even one point the gym soon. Yeah, yeah, we probably could. <laughs> Maybe that needs to be uh, the baseball sound for us. Yeah, good call. Launching a new gem. It doesn't need to be like depressing music, you know? It's dramatic. It's like a big moment in our lives. That's true. I'm sorry. I'm really like clicking <laughs> right now. Um, that's exciting. And you're trying to do that for Black Friday. Where are you hosting it at? Uh, well, I happen to have a good friend of mine that we record a podcast together and he works at a company called Podia. I'm excited. Yeah, it's pretty fun. I I've really enjoyed using Podia. Like, uh, obviously you guys have made it really easy to, to upload a course or whatever. And it's just a good group of people you got there, which I really like. It's awesome. Uh, I came home last night. My Shannon and I went on a date and I came home and, uh, I had a package and I was like, I'm not expecting a package. And I opened it up and my coworker, Jamie, his wife made uh, a stuffed animal for our new son. And then, oh, awesome. yeah. And then his whole family like signed the card and sent it to us all the way from Ireland. And I was like, this is the sweetest thing. Wow. That see, that's great. Like that's the kind of coworkers you really want to have, you know, it was awesome. So, um, I have, I have one last thing I want to talk about. Yeah. Uh, I may need you to like talk me off my horse right now because. Is this where we put in the uh, dramatic music? So I've been thinking about. Um, so I bought a new computer. I bought a new desktop. Uh, I actually bought an iMac and I haven't like, I haven't had a desktop in a long time because I really like having one computer that everything's on. But. I less liked all the clutter that came with on my desk. Um, Cause I dog life. Yeah. And I just had like all these peripherals. Like I had a dock, but it, and then I had to have speakers and a monitor and like, then I had to have a camera and then I have this podcast mic. So I was like, this get a little out of hand. Plus I just like IMAX, but uh, I was like, well, I'll sell my laptop and get a new one. 
And then I was like, why don't I buy an iPad instead? So I've been testing. I bought, uh, it's called Mosh, Mosh, Mosh. And it's uh, an SSH client for the iPad. And it'll like handle drop connections and things like that. Just like resume automatically. <laughs> so what I did was I enabled SSH on my desktop and then SSH into my desktop and could code that way. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. So I know a lot of people buy like a VPS and then, you know, SSH into that from their iPad or something to work. Yeah. And so like for me, the benefit is my, my normal environment's already there and I don't have to worry about like syncing up files because yeah. like I to test it out last night, like I downloaded a Git repo that I have. And then I like went to my computer and it was just there. Cause I was like, I bundled and installed and everything from the iPad. Uh huh. So That's cool. I don't know. I'm thinking oh. with Apple's extended holiday return period right now, trying it out. That's not a bad idea. I like it. The new iPads look great. They're, think, uh, they're I, faster than my current MacBook Pro. <laughs> yeah. I, the problem is just it's a handicapped operating system. That's that's the only thing I'm worried about. Yeah. Um, you know, Chrome isn't going to be quite as good and those little things. So that would be my only concern with it is like, you know, that that little stuff of like, okay, well, what if you need to open up the JavaScript console uh, to test some JavaScript you're writing? Well, you probably can't really easily do that from your iPad. Yeah. Unless you're like a VLC or VNC. Yeah. So there's there's a lot of like things like that I'm thinking through. Um, because I'm thinking about just getting a MacBook Air. Because like I won't I will only use this when I'm out and I'm not out that much, except when I travel. Yeah, you're at Santa's pub quite a bit though, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, sitting outside smoking cigarettes with pepper. Uh, <laughs> we got we got like five or six inches of snow yesterday, not yesterday, the night before that. Gee. Uh, so it feels like Santa's Santa's here already. We got a half an inch and the entire city of Memphis just shut down. <laughs> That's kind of how it was when we were at a half an inch and then it just kept going. That's awesome. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. The new... Uh, MacBook Airs look awesome. I, I've still got a really old MacBook Air that I absolutely love just because how light it is. And yeah, I I have an iPad and I still would prefer to use that MacBook Air even though it's way slower. It's just got a real operating system. That's the thing I'm worried about. Like this is, uh, I've know, I know of a couple of people who've like tried this. Um, it, it could not, it would be a pain to be like my daily driver. Um, yeah. But this would mostly be for like I'm traveling and like something broke. I can just hop in and fix real quick or. Um, would it be easier if you just created an AI to do the work for you? Uh, I don't know about easier. <laughs> Maybe you could, you could borrow Matt's AI. <laughs> anyway. So by the time we talk next week. You'll have an AI ready. Yes. I will <laughs> either have. Statement that just is like yes or no. <laughs> uh, yeah, my AI will be with something breaks while I'm traveling. It's just an automatic responder that's like, "Sorry, I'm traveling." <laughs> I don't know. I need. I'm just like I'm thinking out loud here. It could be a horrible decision, or it could be an awesome decision. 
So, I don't know. I'll look. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm skeptical, but uh, you know, I, I like the sort of real operating system totally. deal a lot better. I, as much as I, I've thought about this in the past many times, and the iPad just is this. It does not cut it. Not quite the same. I know. It's so like. I'm just not like when the iPad Pro came out, I was like, I wish I had a need for that. And then I was like, well, I could make a need, but I'll probably end up if I if I'm guessing, I'll probably end up with a MacBook Air like long term. Uh But I really like the idea right now. So we'll see. Yeah. Well, I mean, Tim Cook would appreciate if you bought at least one of each. Yeah. I mean, they would. You know how those single computer sales like really affect their bottom line. Yeah, I mean they're they're depending on you to keep above a trillion dollars. <laughs> oh gosh. All right, man. Well, this has been good. Yeah, definitely. Uh I guess we will be back at some point next week, but since it's Thanksgiving and Black Friday, we may have a little bit of a schedule change. Yeah. Ooh. We'll be here. We'll drop it either earlier or record it earlier and drop it normally or just be late. So, hey, but look at us. This is three weeks in a row. We are like, we're in stop. Yeah, we're getting it together, which uh, if you know us is kind of surprising. Yeah, right? we're, <laughs> yeah we're, we're on the ball right now. So, all right, man, have a good week. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Have a good one.